looking to people to start off with a small vision, and that vision manifested into something beyond expectation. And you know this, man. There's no excuse for not living up to the, your fullest potential. No excuse. I just told you who I thought I was. A guy. I see fire. I see power. Let's do it, black excellence. Let's go. go, go. What's going on, Say Loud Podcast? Once again, it is your host from the West Coast, Boogie the Beast. Thank you so much for tuning in on SoundCloud and iTunes Podcast. I'm sitting out here in this unsunny day in Phoenix because Beyonce is in town and Mother Nature had to clear the streets for her to have a safe and clean arrival. And uh, I'm blessed to be sitting in front of a, a young legend. Um, and I'm going to get to him in a few seconds, but I wanted to give him the introduction that he deserves. So my man, the myth, the legend, PC knows him, Phoenix knows him, Scottsdale knows him, Chicago knows him, and Hove will one day know him for not only being one of his biggest Lyric for Lyric fans, but also I've never seen this man without something Jay-Z owns on his body. Nobody else than my man, Mr. Ryan Mason. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you hanging. I think I deserve That was a good introduction. <laughs> I, that's, one of the be- that's definitely the best one I've ever had anybody do for me. Hey man, you know what I'm saying? And definitely, I definitely, I was going to plug in some few people, but uh, you're not getting sponsored by them, so we're not going to shout out the places that we use. Shout out to this free Wi-Fi. But anyways, so you know, I wanted the people to just, uh, you know, get to know you, get to know what you're doing, um, you know, and a few of the things you have going on here, because we're both starting new chapters, and uh, you have a podcast just like I do, so definitely want to, you know, just highlight black business. So let's just get to know you a little bit, you know, for those who actually don't know you, which is probably about maybe three of the 600 people that will listen to this. Come on, bro. Um, you know, born and raised, where you from, man? Talk to us. Talk to the people. Um, originally, I grew up um, from, from Chicago. Chirac? Or I Chi mean, City? No, no, no. It's, it, I grew up in a nice, not a nice area, but, it, you know, it was drug dealing up the street, but it okay. was like, you know, it was families where I grew up. You Got know, it. We had a good house. I remember my neighbors. They were good people. But, um, yeah, I moved here when I was about 12 or 13, um, like right in the middle, like junior high. Um, complete culture shock. I had been coming out here because um, my grandfather lived out here for a little bit, but just like the move was different. It was uh, it was unique because in Chicago, I tell people this all the time. Chicago's still one of the most segregated cities in the country. Wow. So growing up, did not know I didn't, that. Yeah, I didn't know really anybody that wasn't black. Mm. The closest thing to somebody that wasn't black that I knew was my. Uh, my cousin, who was half black and half Puerto Rican, which was basically black. Did the fam- <laughs> did the family respect that, uh, like, biracial or interracial marriage in that point then, because of this segregation? You think, or um, I don't think that they disrespected it. I just think that it wasn't. It just wasn't something that was prominent where we where we're from in terms of uh, just in terms of who you're around and who you're able to meet. Like interracial stuff happens. Interracial marriage happens because. There's a conglomerate of people mingling amongst one another. In Chicago, like, I don't know how you would meet. Oh, where would you meet a white girl at? I mean, you might be downtown and catch a white girl's eye or something like that, but on our side of town, there wasn't, it's not like they, white people were coming to our clubs or our bars. Events or, and birthdays, yeah, schools, so high like, schools. Yeah, school-wise, especially school-wise, like my school was, was all black. Right. So, Wow. So so you mentioned the culture shock um, coming to Phoenix, you know, going into it. You've been back and forth a few times. What was it like uh, when you got the final, like, Ryan, we're moving to Phoenix and you're going to this high school? Um, it was 
it was cool at first and then like I started missing some of the things that like uh, about home because you ever go on vacation and then like when you go back when you go back home you're like damn I had so much fun vacation was so dope but then can you imagine if you lived at that place that's how that's kind of how it felt at first like mm. I was just like man like because I used to love coming out here I like to swim I like to play. shout out to the black swimmers out there we're yeah, out here damn yeah, it yeah man I used to love to do do all that and I love the summers and doing all that good shit but now but then when I actually had to move the culture shock of it was just kind of different for me and you know I was able to cling on to um, sports and things like that to really kind of keep my focus but mm-hmm. the other stuff was you know, it was kind of different. Yeah. Different. So basketball is what brought you, or not brought you, but basketball obviously is one of those bigger coping mechanisms, I'm sure. Um, what high school did you attend out here? Um, I actually, and and here's the here's the different part. So I went from the south side of Chicago, and okay. I didn't come to Phoenix. I came to Gilbert, Arizona. Ooh. Wow. So, so that was a major <laughs> culture shock. So I, I went bet. from having no no white people in my whole school to basically my school being all white and and you became the minority yeah and and basketball was was cool like it was dope because that's where a lot of I found like especially in that area where a lot of the people um, who were like me or who looked like me that's where we kind of all met up on the basketball court. Like, oh, there are black people here. We all showed up to tryouts to say, yeah, where have you been? What's your first hour class? What you got third hour? When's your lunch? So yeah, that's kind of how I start really like building friendships and stuff like that. And the game's been so good to me um, in that sense of just being able to develop lifelong relationships. And I feel like that's what the game does. Like that's the most important aspect of it. Okay. So after going through high school basketball, getting used to it, um, graduated, did you go off to college to play basketball, or did you just go straight education at that point? Or I'm learning you just as much as... as uh, so, so we go back a bit. Um, my junior year of high school, I my favorite English teacher, my favorite teacher was my English teacher freshman year. Uh-huh. And we had maintained a relationship, you know, onward. So my junior year, she got me to take a journalism class. So first day, uh, we're coming to journalism. They want us to write a, um, basically an entry level journalism um, piece. Piece, yeah. And of course I did it on sports because that's what I was. Because ball is life. Yeah, that's what I knew. But what, what a lot of people didn't know is that, you know, not only could I pl- play basketball, but I could also talk basketball like with adults and, and that good stuff. And then I used to read the newspaper every day. My mom would order a newspaper. I'd read it every day the sports section. So journalism, so I go in, I write a piece, I submit it in, you know, and she calls me into the office with a bunch of other people. And I was sitting there thinking I was in trouble. I was like, what, what niggas do? <laughs> oh, shit. Yo, There's only five of us, bro. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So we're sitting there. So she brings me in and she's like, no, your work is very, very good and very, um, I don't know where you learn to write in the format of a, of a, in a newspaper format. And I was like, well, I just read the newspaper and read articles, so I just try to do something like that. And she was like, no, we want you to be the sports editor. Wow. So I was on varsity and I was writing 
the only thing I wasn't allowed to write about was obviously myself in basketball. So then senior year comes and uh, I was a sports editor junior year. Senior year, they made me the uh, editor of the newspaper. I was co-editor with another girl who was an amazing friend of mine. Um, and, you know, we just vibed out like that. That's so dope. After high school, so now going back, now going fast forwarding back to where you were talking about, after high school, um, part of me was kind of done with basketball. I kind of wanted to play, but then I kind of didn't. I started writing a little bit for the Arizona Republic. Shout out. I started, yeah, yeah, I started doing some stuff that was um, for ArizonaVarsity.com, doing, covering different games. So, you know, when I got to MCC, I was going to do, um, I was still going to try to play because I talked to my mom and I was like, I should still play. You know, I can make the team. They're not that good. Like, you know, I was, no, it was true. I, was, I mean, yeah, nice. I was speak decent. your truth. I was decent at the time. So I was like, yeah, I should do it. And then I got hurt. Mm. So I got hurt, like, in September with, like, basically the season looming in October. And after that, I was just like, you know what, man, I'm done. I'm just going to go full-fledged with the journalism thing. Okay. So from there, um, that took you into coaching. Um, Did you graduate, or once you were done at MCC, did you go on straight to PC, or did you have... Uh, no. Jobs before that no. with coaching. See, that's a funny story. So we got time for funny stories, Ryan. MCC, at, while at MCC, I'm working, I'm doing all the journalism shit, and then my uh, my old AAU coach and guy who uh, still in my life to this day, Jace Cobra, who I love to death. He's an assistant coach at Portland State now. He was uh, coaching at PC. Um, he was an assistant at PC. He was leaving to take a high school job at McClintock. So the head coach of PC wanted somebody young that could help him recruit. So he asked Jace if he knew any names. But coach of PC, obviously, Coach Matt Gordon, great tenure there, um, doing his thing. Um, but so he asked Jace if he needed he needed somebody young. So I told so Jace was like, I don't really know anybody, but this guy I know, Ryan, he's at all the games, you know, and that was just my pastime. I liked journalism, but also I just... Stuck I, around the game however yeah, you could. you know, I liked going to watch games. I knew all the best players. I knew all the, everything. So, you know, I'm at this all-star game once in 2007. I'm like 19. Damn, I was a freshman in college. High school. I was a freshman in high school. Jesus, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting at the, I'm sitting in the gym watching this game, and a guy comes up to me, the coach does, and says, hey, you interested in coaching? I had never thought about it, ever. You know, went home, talked it over with my mom. Told him, like, yeah, why not? Gave it a try. Um, I was going to MCC. I was a sophomore at MCC and coaching at PC at the same time. What a scout. What a <laughs> sneaky, sly devil scout. So, yeah, I was I was a 19-year-old junior college assistant. That was dope. Um, what was it like? I mean, like you said, you kind of went away from the sport as a player but what was it like like going from like being on the court seeing a player not be able to do something and be like just pass me the ball I'll take it to being the coach or being the assistant coach and having to learn how to facilitate from a sideline and implementing the right plays or the right players you know at the right time I think that your your playing style has a lot to do with that I was never like the most athletic or the fastest or anything like that so there weren't 
I always, to be good, I always had to think the game and be more skilled than everyone else. So from that angle, I took the same angle with coaching in a sense in terms of, all right, you know, I want, I want to be able to think the game completely through and understand the nuances of, of everything. So in that vein, it allows me to it allows me to see things a little bit more clear than what your average really great player might not see things. You know, they say the best players make the worst coaches because their expectation level is for people are, is way too high. They look at it for things um, strictly from their point of view. And one of my biggest gifts is perspective. I understand how to communicate um, with certain people on that level. So whether you're the best player on the team or the worst player on the team, I understand how to that perspective of both and be able to engage you in into what we're trying to do collectively as a group. Right now in the league, um, this is just an improv question that, that I arise because you had said, uh, you know, you said basically the best players sometimes make the worst coaches. So who are three players that are currently on rosters in the NBA that could go when it's all said and done and be coaches in your perspective? Um, Rajon Rondo. Wow. I think that he, he'll be a, he has the, if he wants to be, can be a really good coach. His, his ability, his attention to detail, unreal. He has that ability to literally like regurgitate like an entire play. Like LeBron did that at the. Yes, on that play. Yes, bro, that shit was crazy. Yeah. He, he can do the exact I think he can do the exact same thing um, usually it's typically going to be a lot of intellectual point guards right um, <clears throat> I could also see uh, I don't know let me think give me a sec okay so Rajon I mean I think that I think that David West okay and, uh, a bigs yeah. coach yeah Golden you State Warriors I think I think He's a very knowledgeable guy about the game. Um, Did you see Elton Brand just took the uh, GM job for yeah, the 76ers? That was ill. That was super dope because I was in Chicago when he got drafted number one, and I remember, I remember those times. That so seeing his career come full circle is um, is dope. Pretty so, cool to see. But yeah, so so who did I say? Ray David Jones, West, Rondo. David West, Rondo. Um, no, man. Okay. Know, we'll keep it at those two, though. We'll keep it at those two. So, you know, going from that... Maybe be, it's Shane Battier. I don't know. Shane Battier. He's still playing, but, yeah, he's a really smart dude, too. Okay. So, going off of all that, just keeping it around basketball and still the lifestyle and all that stuff, um, obviously you were a uh, uh, Juco coach. Uh, two championships or one championship, three championships, So six championships. I don't know, man. I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> Flex. No, no, we um, we did a lot of things. We we the way our league is broken up. We won a national championship, so we're Division Two junior college. Yes. So the way it breaks up is in our division of Arizona schools. There are six Division Two schools and five Division One schools. The difference is that the Division One schools have dorms. We don't. Ah. The, the Division One schools can also offer scholarships to players out of the state. Division two schools cannot. Huh. So they have a little bit of a lot of well, a lot of bit of a handicap. So we've won uh, three or four maybe four we have won three or four straight conference championships. Which wow. means we finished ahead of the rankings of all the division one and two schools. 
Um, in 2014, we won a national championship, which is basically at the end of the season, there's a playoff that we split up. There's a playoff between the Division II teams, the top four teams. The winner goes to nationals. So 2014, we went to nationals. We won a national championship and are still the only men's basketball team in Arizona ever to do so. Shout out. That was Brandon Brown's year, right? That was, was Brandon's year. Shout out, man. Brandon Shout out, Brown, my guy. Derek Brooks. Uh, rest in peace, Cameron Israel. Uh, my man, Brenda Pignetta, Ronald Tadney. All those guys, great. Joe Fever, Steve. What a coach. Fieber. What a yeah. coach. Just naming off his roster, yeah. top to bottom. I'll never forget that team. Ever. That's awesome. One of the kids that's, uh, that was on that team, he uh, he sells cars now. <laughs> I thought you definitely were going a different way with no, that. No, 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 no. He sells <laughs> cars now, and he wears his... Uh, he wears his championship ring, and that's how that's what he uses to um, spark conversation amongst people because everyone wants to know what's that championship ring for? What's that? What's that for? So that's usually the first thing they. Hey, have. icebreakers are icebreakers. That's awesome. It's a great icebreaker, right? Um, so yeah, basically, so in this lifestyle and the life that we live now with sports and how everything's coming about, you know, college players getting paid and all that stuff, um, you know, AAU lifestyle. I'm sure you've been, like you say, you've been through it. Um, you've been around it a lot. Uh, do you think it's too advertised? Do you think we give them too much attention rather than them focusing? Um, you know, how, how exactly do you feel about the uh, AAU going into the scouting process? Well, first of all, shout out to Ray Arvizu. Ray is the one that got me into AAU. I never, I w I've always been kind of a purist of the game, so I, was, I never really liked it. But when Ray came on the staff at PC and um, helped out, he kind of talked me into doing it. And then I ended up working with the Compton Magic. Shout out Magic. Yes, yeah, uh, probably the best AAU program on the West Coast. Um, they won a national championship this year. Great program. So from that, I've gotten to see a lot of the inner workings of it. And it's like any other major business, man. It's just they're... There are people who are doing it the right way, and then there are people who are doing it the wrong way. Um, in terms of the profit um, off of it, I don't know. I mean, the sneaker companies are investing millions of dollars into these kids. So there's always going to be loopholes and ways around. They're, they're trying to get the best. They're trying to get the next LeBron, the next right. Kobe. The Sign next with us. Kevin Durant. And they want to identify that talent at a young age, but that also allows for guys who aren't necessarily have backgrounds or are just bag chasing, as we call it, trying to get in with these kids. It's, it's disgusting in some ways because you see, like, these grown 40-, 50-year-old men trying to, like, befriend uh, high school kids. Right. It's kind of gross. It's like a... It's like a cesspool. It's like a meat factory. Like guys just standing around. A gawking. leech. Yeah, just gawking, looking at these kids, and they're just seeing dollar signs. So, I mean, in that sense, it's awful. But in another sense, like, it's brought high-level competition. I mean, you know, you see some of the best players in the country going at it early early on, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. Little Wade, little LeBron. Yeah, man. I mean, some of the, the coverage of it has gotten too much. I don't like the like the excessive mixtape stuff. Like, <laughs> kid has a whole ass mixtape, but people don't know that that game he went six for 24 from the field and the six 
highlights that you saw in overtime mixtape. Shout out to overtime. Uh, <laughs> I like them though. I fuck with them. <laughs> but the six highlights you see in the mixtape, you make it seem all like, oh, he was killing. No, he shot like 25% from the field and had a shitty game and was selfish as fuck, didn't pass it to his teammate and looked like complete dog shit. And because you show highlights of it, and it's on Twitter, and that's how our mindsets are. Hashtag we, ball is life. Yeah, we think the kid is cold. Yeah. Um, going off of that then, are you uh, for or against uh, a man by the name of LeVar Ball making the JBA? Um, in theory, I think what LeVar Ball is doing was doing was dope. In actuality, my belief is that the JBA was made because LaMelo Ball has no high school eligibility and LeVar doesn't trust and I don't think foreign teams are gonna really take an interest into him before he's eligible for the 2020 NBA draft. So you think he did it like an inner selfish, just for his kids? He did it strictly for LaMelo, Um, especially if they continue to lose money, which it looks like they did this year. I can't imagine that that's gonna exist once LaMelo's eligible for the draft and if he gets drafted. Okay. Like, I don't think that that'll be a thing. So. Okay. Um, so going off of that also, um, if you had a son, um, top five or ten, um, you know, you've seen it from both sides. Like, what is what is the process behind this, like, not just scouting, but the, the selection of a, a college, essentially? Like, how much really goes in that we don't see like how much are these kids really getting paid um or would you say they are getting paid like i'm talking like i think it's different situations the marvin bagley the deandre ayton i think it's different situations i have have some insight on those two which i'm not going to share non-disclosure agreements i get it yeah i'm not going to (laughs) share in terms of like can't wait to cut this mic off yeah in terms of money (laughs) money transactions but i think it's dependent upon the individual um, some parents view their kids as, as, as checks. And the problem is I can't blame them because these universities, um, these boosters, these, all these different people are making profiting off their kids. Why shouldn't you profit off your kid? It's your kid. Like, Very true. You know? So, you know, when Reggie Bush's family was living in, they had a super nice beach house or whatnot, well, yeah, Reggie Bush was generating millions of dollars for the university. Like, I don't, I didn't really see anything wrong with that, you know? And if Marvin Bagley's gonna take, I mean, if Marvin Bagley's gonna take Duke to the Elite Eight or wherever they went this year and that, you know, sell, you're gonna sell his jersey, maybe his dad should be able to make some money off of it. Who knows? That's not really for me. Personally, I would hope that I'm in a financial position where that doesn't matter. I mean, the best player in the country this year is Cole Anthony, son of Greg Anthony. He used to play for the, wow. um, he used to play for the Knicks and a bunch of other teams. So, like, financially, I don't think Cole's really worried about taking money. Right. Dad, Dad's had money his whole life, so I don't think the 100000 or $500,000 he's getting going to get from whatever, X, Y, and Z. X, Y, Z school having bag dropped on him is, is that important. But for a kid who doesn't have much and who's coming from... Middle of the pack. Yeah, poverty, yeah. and, and they profit off of that. And they, and I mean, and that's the problem with the rule, like yeah. the high school rule. Like, why are they going to college anyway?
All right, guys, and we're back once again at Say Loud Podcast with your host, Boogie the Beast, sitting down with my man, Mr. Ryan Mason, talking basketball and everything else, too, being from it. Now, let's get on to the next piece of this life. Ryan, uh, you know, maybe premature to say, but uh, is, is making a, a new chapter in his life um, after leaving coaching um, at PC. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, time for you to flap your wings and leave Arizona. Care to share? Yeah. Care to share the plans? Yeah, man. The plan is um, to go to New York, man. Um, mm. A lot of my close friends and support system are out there. A lot of opportunity to do some of the things that that I'm interested in. Um, talk about transitioning a little bit away from the game. You know, when I was 24, 25, you know, I wanted to be a college basketball coach. That's what I wanted to do. Wow. I thought that was my talent. I thought that was what I was good at. And I was. Uh, I still, to this day, don't think that there's... I'm 31 now. I don't think that there's anyone 31 that can, with my experience, that can talk basketball with me um, on, a, on a higher level. Don't get me wrong. I still think I can learn. I think in every field you can learn. But at the same time, I don't think that there's anybody with more knowledge about the game than me. And I could coach circles around a lot of these dudes that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it was just time for me, I think, to acknowledge some of the other passions that I have and talents that I have. And, you know, my original start was in journalism. And, you know, I'm kind of developing a love for that again, you know. So I want to do the podcasting thing. I want to take it to New York. I want to broaden my guest list. I want to um, network with people who are doing a a lot of other things out there in terms of media collaborations and just kind of hit the ground running and meet really dope people like you know that's what it's about last night (laughs) sure i was gonna say hey man hey you know what i'm saying little by little man trust the process um what about new york i mean like you said besides your support system and you know the network and all stuff what about new york just draws you to it and we'll get to jay-z in a little bit so you know there's a certain energy that the city that new york has that i can't quantify or really explain um that makes me feel alive when i'm in the city um, I try. I do a good amount of traveling, so I'm, I'm in a That lot was of very city. humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm light, <laughs> man. I don't be doing nothing crazy. Why he sits here with a Balenciaga bag next to him right now? This is an Adidas bag. <laughs> don't, 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 uh, <laughs> don't gas these people. Um, but there's just a certain energy in the city and a certain, um, the feeling of if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere mm. type ordeal. And I've always felt that way in tune with Arizona because I, I've grown to appreciate and love Arizona and feel like eventually I would like to settle and make roots here. But the belief here to me is that like people appreciate you more once you're successful somewhere else. And what better place to be successful than the biggest city in the country and the mecca of everything. Like, what more could I want? If you can't, if you can't make media contacts in New York, where are you gonna make media contacts? I feel, I feel that. I respect that. I mean, LA. But anyways, um, no, I definitely respect that. Um, so, you know, going from that and all that stuff, obviously, a lot of people know you. If you don't follow him, every morning, every evening, or every night, throughout the day, a post or something that he's wearing is uh, paying homage to 
a young man by the name of Sean Carter. What uh, <laughs> why he sits here with a hove hat? Um, this is a Rock Nation. It's Rock Nation. Sorry, my bad. Uh, owned by a man named. But anyways, um, what about, what about him? Like, just like there's the Beehive. There's the fascination with, you know, Tupac, Biggie. What does it with Jay Z and and just what has he done with music and beyond music? That's just wow for you. Um, with Hope has always been like the mentality, the hustler's mentality. I mean. There are a lot of skilled rappers, but I think one of the things that has stuck with me when Hope said, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Let me handle my business, damn. So he's always been ahead of the curve when it comes to that. And you know, he also says something like, um, I'm not a rapper, I'm a hustler, so you can't fit this hustle inside of a rapper, which was an amazing double entendre, but what he was saying was that he can't, you can't fit this hustle inside of a rapper, like, like, I'm a talented rapper, but I've always been a hustler my entire life, and I'm just transitioning from game to game to game, and just making the most out of everything that he's been given. And, and done and just to see where he's come from from basically you know selling drugs to Marcy now, Projects to now he's in the meeting and you know rejecting calls from the president you know that's so <laughs> crazy that's a bag bro yeah bro like get your talk, bags you talk about every year in Forbes you talk about 600 plus million and, and he's from from a place that's similar to the place that I'm from so that's always been inspirational, and you talk about the growth and development of a human being. Where you, you know, you came out talking drugs, and now you're talking black empowerment into your 40s, which is, to me, is it's a sign of maturity of, of anyone. And I don't, I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone can name a rapper, even if you don't think Jay's the best rapper of all time. I don't think anyone can name a rapper who's. Um, developed and grown in hip-hop as much as he has and has, you know, kind of, you know, just morphed into this something completely different than what he originally was, and now it's just like a pillar of the black community. You talk about his, um, all the stuff he does, that he's done with the Khalif Browder, um, documentary and anonymous, anonymous uh, Bales and yeah. it's Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, you know, and just the principles. And and the crazy thing is, a lot of the principles that you hear, like in his music that he stands for, are always things that I I've agreed with. You know, um, you know, like one of his one of his uh, verses says, "I'd rather die enormous than live dormant." That's how we own it. Like I'm about to get that tatted on me. He said that on his first album. I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. That's how we own it. Like that's just a just go basically a sign to just go for everything. Don't don't settle for mediocrity. Go for all the things that you want. Die going for the things you want as opposed to settling in mediocrity and maybe living off, you know. Now if that's what you want to do, that's fine, but like I just advise everybody to do so and I think he's been an inspiration in that. Speak it, speak it, man. That's one of the biggest things that not only I harp on, but I feel like I've heard a lot more now is just Plus you got the baddest chick in the game wearing his chain. Oh man! Like I said, guys, lyric for lyric, I don't think there's anybody else besides RapGenius.com that might know 
uh, lyrics uh, me, from me and Jerry. Uh, shout out Jerry Sylvester. Shout out Jay. Um, Met Gala himself. Met Gala. <laughs> we have uh, we have full conversations in Jay Z lyrics. Like, <laughs> full conversations. That's so crazy, and I can see that too. And there's a Jay Z lyric. Anything that you're going through in life, with women, work. Whatever, there's a Jay-Z lyric for it. Going off of that, top five songs Jay-Z's ever came out with. Oh, that's so tough. Wow. That's so Look tough. how that goes. Thankfully, I got a list on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, while he's looking that up, one of the biggest things that I always try to harp with everybody from podcasts to on my Instagram to just talking to people in general is if you go for every single thing that you want in life, you're going to, not you're going to fail every time, but you have to fail in order to you know, to be successful. And one of the quotes that I saw yesterday that I wanted to share with you guys, I was gonna share it at the end, but this just came up is, every single day is like a bank. And every single hour you have is your currency. And you have every single day to profit and you have every single day to lose. What are you gonna do with your 24 hours of currency? And that just sat with me so much because if you wanna do something, you gotta go do it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're spending 18 hours up and you're only gonna get the other you know, six hours of sleep, you know, sometimes it's going to be like that. Sometimes you need to sacrifice. Sometimes you need to drive. Sometimes you need to go into deficits, um, you know, to get that um, to where you want it to be. So I think he's got his list ready for us. Yeah. Top five uh, songs. Song Cry. Ooh. Number one overall ever. Okay. I think, I think so. I think that was interpersonal Jay at his, at his best. Okay. Um, 444. Mm. I think that's one of the best beats ever. Yeah. A, an amazing, amazing track, and I'm always into introspective Jay because we get the braggadocious one on a lot of different records. Um, uh, Can I live? Okay. Amazing song. Um, uh, from Blueprint, you don't know. Shot, throwback, a little throwback. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, probably go something from Black Album, Public Service amount, announcement. Okay. That's a solid little move. Yeah, you know that's something light. You know, if I gave it some more thought, I could come up with a little bit more. But I, yeah, I respect that, it. That's what I'm gonna go with for now. I respect it. Somebody, somebody's for sure gonna hear this and text me and be like, "Oh, you ain't say this." I'm like, "Damn, bro, I forgot." Yeah. <laughs> All right, so one of our friends, mutual friends, actually, that knows how big music is to you and how big basketball is to you, um, Mr. Josh Good, oh. had a question of the day for you. Um, he said to ask your top five MCs and then correlate them to basketball players. That's an interesting uh, question. So, that is a good question. So here's how I like to do it. Um, Shout out Josh Good. Jay-Z is like Michael Jordan. There we go. It's like he's the GOAT, you know, is... You know, I know they're debating the, Jay, the LeBron and Jordan shit right now, but in retrospect, when you guys really look at it, it's not going to be a debate. Right. So, Jay's the GOAT. Um, I look at uh, Con or, or Drake is like a LeBron. Okay. Right. Um, Kendrick is like a Kevin Durant. Oh, my God. Where he's like... <laughs> He's kind of low-key with it, but he might be better than him, but we don't know. He is. Like, he might be but, like, but I understand. Yeah, so he might be better, but we don't really know. Okay. We don't know. That's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So those are... That's, that's three. three. All right, so J. Cole. J. Cole is like... Um, 
think. J. Cole is kind of like a like a Kawhi Leonard. Ooh. Like a quiet assassin type. Like, and doesn't need a lot of limelight. Nah, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Um, and then my fifth is unpopular, but this guy is kind of unpopular in the NBA, is Wale. And I think that Wale is kind of like, um, he's so talented, immensely talented, but like people don't like, people don't really fuck with him like that. Anthony Davis. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Uh, I would say like more of like almost like a um, like a Giannis almost in Ooh, terms of like the Greek freak. Yeah. Okay. Like, like uh, nah. Let me let me let me think about that one. Wale is kind of like kind of like Harden in a sense. Where okay. Like, he doesn't necessarily like if you say your top three players, you kind of forget about him sometimes because of a lot of the other shit that he does and people don't like that he's always crying for fouls but if you look at his skill level and his talent it's just as high as the guys who are at the top so I would say well, Wale and those are probably my, my five favorite rappers of all time I mean Kanye had been in that list we'll see and he's still kind of in that list but, you know. okay so you had Wale as James Harden yeah. you had uh Shit. Who's Kendrick. number four? Kendrick was Kevin Durant, Kend- the GOAT. Kendrick was Kevin Durant. And then you have Hove as Michael. Mike. And then you had Drake as LeBron. And then you had who's was the it. fourth? That was five. Was it? Jay, Drake, Kendrick, Wale. Cole. Cole. Cole was Kawhi. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for that. Once again, thank you so much for supporting me. But more importantly, if you know anybody out there who needs more support with their business, or their owners of some type of company or something they need advertised, send them my way via DM, via messages, via text, via something. Connect us so we can get each other popping. Until then, I'm going to get back to this episode. All right, last part, and we're back once again. Stay Loud Podcast. Get ready to end this out, but I wanted to end it on a good note for my man, Mr. Ryan Mason. It's all been good, baby. And, uh, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to bring you on here, but um, my man's. We talking about, you know, planting roots and, uh, you know, basketball and a lyric for everything. So, love life, man. What's up? I don't know about all that. What's up? (laughs) I'm chilling, bro. What's up, man? You know, with this this impending move that I'm trying to do to New York, um, I haven't really been open for a lot of... Per se. Time of investment? Yeah. Okay. In terms of not really wanting to catch feelings or anything like that. But, you know, the shorty, the shorty who I'm feeling, she, I think she knows it. I mean, okay. in that same vein, like, we'll figure it out one day. If not, you know. Wasn't meant to be. Wasn't meant to be, exactly. What, uh, what, what, is, what does love mean to you? If you had to, not poetically, but kind of put it into a, a, a short summary as a journalist. I would say that um, love to me is uh, in part inspiration. Um, I think that love is based upon two complementary people, whether friend or not, or or romantic love, two people who uh, build off of each other and allow each other to be the best versions of themselves, and also just enjoy one of one another. The, 
the commonality of just being around that person all the time. So in my mind, that is what I envision for love, and that is what I, I envision for the person who I want to marry in some ways, is somebody who compliments me and who makes me the best version of myself, and I would hope that I inspire and do the same to you, um, just like you would want with your friends. Right. And then obviously the romantic aspect in there, but if there's no foundation um, with that part of it, then I don't think there's anything to grow uh, from there. I think a lot of people start romantic relationships on a foundation of nothing or a foundation of physical attractiveness, which to me isn't, you know, you've been around me, you've seen, there are a lot of attractive women that I know, obviously. Facts. Uh, there are a lot of attractive women that I know, but the um, and a lot of people ask me, well, why don't you? You should date one of them, and I'll be like, you know, and that's no shade or anything. But they're just them. my friend. But those are just my friends. There's uh, no 100%. foundation for you know what I'm describing to you right now for that. And for me, that is what it it's going to take for me to you know fall in love and settle down. And, do the kids and you know okay I want to do it eventually well you know just to, just in case like you said uh, shorty doo wop hope she heard that but if not we have a 24 second shot clock and I have a few questions I'm going to ask you to see how many shots you can get up to help out just in case she happens to be listening let for me, this let, let me get my coffee alright alright yeah sip the coffee alright you ready for this alright I'm ready and here we go chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream chocolate uh, big wedding or small wedding small three kids or two kids two boys or girls boys uh, uh, I'm trying to think of it as I go. Uh, beach vacation or winter cabin vacation? Beach. Ooh. Um, she's the breadwinner or you're the breadwinner? I'm the breadwinner. Um, communication or. Oh, oh man, it went out. Damn. But got that out. Yeah. I was making them up as I went. I just thought about it as, as I go. Sometimes, you know, we just don't have a script. Um, so, you know, going off of what you said about love and me just throwing in that improv-ass thing, um, your love for cigars, I think, is as big as your love as Jay-Z. And this is the last piece I want to end with. Um, with the journalism and your podcast called Cigars in the City, um, and I feel like ain't no love in the heart of the city, and I've heard your intros and, you know, how much you, like I said, once again, correlate back to Jay-Z. Where does the love of cigars come from? So, um... When, in about 2011, 2012, um, in Phoenix, we were just kind of aiming to do, like, some dope shit. We were trying to be different from just Scottsdale, me and a few of the homies, and we used to do these, um, these parties. We did, uh, they were called High Rise. Um, and basically, we wanted to bring everybody out because for us, we didn't feel like we could dress up where we want. We could dress up, but also still be in our environment and listen to our type of music. So we just wanted to do something that was both classy and of our community and of the things that we like. And we started pairing a lot of this stuff with cigars. And I just started developing just a love of cigars and it became a relaxing almost vice for me to where, you know, a lot of people have a long day at work, you go home, have a glass of wine. For me, it became like, I want to have a cigar. And then I started taking an interest into it, learning more about it. You know, once again, Ray was a big influence in that too. We used to go to Cigar Lounge all the time and just kind of kick it. And then from there, like, 
I kind of wanted to, you know, I had a friend uh, when I told her I was starting a podcast, actually here, right in this very building that we're at right now. We don't get sponsors, so we can't mention it. Yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, so she told me basically, like, if you're going to do a, you know, I told her the original name for the podcast, which I won't say, but she was like, well, what is your plan for it? And I was just like, you know, what I want to do is eventually open my own cigar line. And she was like, well, why don't you call your podcast Cigars in the City um, as an alternative to grow your brand in terms of what you want to do with cigars? And mm. I thought that was brilliant. So in turn, that's part of the brand that I'm kind of promoting and what I want to do um, post-basketball post now. I want to... I want to enjoy cigars. I want to open my own cigar lounge. I want to come back to Phoenix and give to the community and do things, you know, that I want to do. I want to be a business owner. So um, one of the things that I've kind of developed and kind of studied on is cigars. I feel that. I definitely feel that. Um, So going off all that, um, just to end it out and all that stuff, you kind of mentioned the podcast. Um, I just want you to kind of just talk through it a little bit. Just let people know, you know, how to find it. What's the... uh, What's your focus on it? What you like to focus on it? Um, and then, you know, kind of just end us out with whatever you want, man. The floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, Cigars in the City, we definitely uh, come a long way. I'm about nine episodes in. Um, have some really great guests um, so far. Um, I just did my first out-of-town one in L.A. that I dropped this week or uh, whenever you guys hear this. Um, it's episode nine with a good friend of mine, KCG, out in uh out in LA and yeah man it's just basically what I want to do is I want to provide a spotlight for people who I think are doing dope things um, and people want to hear from and give them some form of platform and we tie in cigars at the end of each podcast by gifting a cigar to the guests that we have at that that point which also brings me to your cigar gift I, I get a cigar to, gift? Yeah. Hey! <laughs> that's so, lit. We don't have a, we don't have video. We're not videoing this right now, but I got I have a uh, so for you guys who don't know, Jordan is a is a not a smoker, he's not a cigar guy Facts. by any means. But he uh, he's always open and willing to try. So what I got him is I got him a um, Perdermo 10-year um, anniversary cigar. It's champagne flavored. Um, it's thought of as a celebratory cigar and um, I wanted to give him this based on celebrating basically financial independence from the man. That's love. Celebrating that and and we want to continue to celebrate that going forth into the rest of our lives. We don't want to be at these corporations. We want to we don't want to be at desk jobs. We want to do what we want to do. So um, this is for you man. That's love man and that's easy too because he knows we've done some tables with some champagne before. Yeah, this is awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke this after, so I don't cough all over the, the right, episode. Right, right, right. Yeah, we don't want. But uh, yeah, man, shot yourself out, man. I, well, one more thing, actually. Uh, while you say that, that was completely awesome. I love that. It caught me off guard. I had to record that. Um, so I usually ask people a letter to yourself or a letter to your future self. But I want you to write um, to all high schoolers right now. If you were to send a letter about going into the next chapter and they would read it right before senior year, well, excuse me, right before graduating, what would that letter be um, about their future? Um, get rid of ceilings. Hmm. Dear, dear graduating class, remove all ceilings. Um, 
you know, it's become cliche to say that the sky is the limit, but the sky is truly the limit for anything that you want to put forth effort to. Um, dreams are great, but with no uh, work behind them, they're just that, dreams. So uh, with energy, effort, and belief in yourself, you can do and achieve anything that you want to achieve within your talent. You know, a lot of people, you know, like I, you know, I can't be a great singer because I don't have any talent at singing, but I can work hard to be in some form of music if I want to be and work, work my ass off to get there. So always look for the alternative to things that you want to do. You may not be the best basketball player, but you can be a great coach. You can work your ass off to get to that level and still be in the game and around the game in some form of influence so that you have that ability. So when one door closes, just don't don't let that don't let that push you away from per se that dream because there's another avenue, there's another place where you can uh, you can achieve that. So you can get there in any way. It's just put, put forth the effort, kids. The end. That's love. Oh, man. Hey, once again, thank you so much uh, for coming out to sit down with us. Uh, you can find him on everything from SoundCloud, Cigars in the City, or you can look it up under... Yeah, Cigars in the City on SoundCloud right now. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to get on iTunes. I've been bullshitting because of uh, my little photo thing, the transfer thing. Oh, has been has been a bitch trying to find a... Uh, trying to fit their... Criteria, yeah. yeah bullshit. Some bullshit iTunes. Get that shit fixed. <laughs> but you know, whatever. I'm trying to get that that Joe Button uh, Spotify deal. Come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, how else do we find you on your Instagram or anything else like that? Um, R C Mason One on all social media platforms. So um, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, um, Tinder. No. Okay. No, I don't do. I don't do the online <laughs> I, I meet I meet women the natural way, man. I try to. Least. What a life! What a life! Well, hey, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Like he said, guys, cigars in the city. This is Say Loud Podcast and Corporation in partnership with them. We got some more stuff coming for you guys, so just make sure to follow me, follow Ryan, and let's keep this going to support Black business. Until next time, stay hey. black and stay woke.